I'm intentionally going to be uh, short this evening um, because we wanted to, to spend most of our time being able to fellowship, but it's always super, super important that we take the time to get into God's Word. It's the main reason that we are here. And um, if you haven't been paying attention online, I know uh, that's been really awkward, uh, especially for, you know, Chris and I looking at ourselves and uh, on the TV in my living room, and I'm like, man, that dude's an idiot sometimes, talking about myself, not Chris. Chris is beautiful. Uh, Chris is a beautiful man on the TV. But it, that, that's, that's some of the most difficult stuff to do. And, uh, and then we get back in here and somebody asks me, Minigar, are you ready to do this in front of people? I'm like, no. Because <laughs> now they can make fun of me to my face. No, but uh, it, it's, look, I'll tell you what, it's been a blessing to be able to continue to share the, the word that God's put on your heart, even in the midst of all that we've been dealing with. Um, but I'm going to give you a little brief overview. If you've missed any of this series, the series, Where Do We Go From Here? We've been looking at three foundational principles that we as a church believe are foundational for all churches. We just say it a particular way because it's easy for us to say it this way. You may say it some theologically rich way. You know, some churches like to do that and sound really smart. I'm not smart, so I don't like to try to make people think that I'm smart. Um, but we just put it like this. We believe that every single person was created to encounter Jesus. And so there, there's nothing that we can do in life to escape the fact. It doesn't mean that everybody will encounter Jesus. It just means that God created each and every one of us to have a personal encounter with Jesus at some point. And, and there's, no, there's no easier way to say that, I believe, than just to say we want people to encounter Jesus. And in this series, we've looked at what it means to encounter Jesus. Jesus is not a decision that we make. Jesus is a person that we have a relationship with. And he starts the relationship. He's the one that asked us to marry him. We think we're the ones that ask something, but it's not how that works. Jesus is the one that initiated this relationship. And so we have to make sure that we keep that key principle in front of us. And we just looked at that in a message and just said, this is what an encounter with Jesus should do. It spiritually saves us. It shows us our need. It makes us mentally aware of our need for salvation in our life. And he allows us to have that. It's, it's incredible that he allows us to have that. It's not only a mental awareness and spiritual salvation, but it's also emotional healing. When you encounter Jesus, you're going to have the opportunity. doesn't mean you will if you don't take advantage of it, but you have the opportunity to heal from emotional scars from your past, from your present, and from your future. Because if you continue to live, you're going to continue to have them. And Jesus, a true encounter with Jesus, which you were created to have, is going to give you the ability to continue to heal emotionally every single day. And then it physically enables us. And then we jumped into our second part of this series where we just said, you were created to find your place. Everybody is searching for it. Everybody is looking for the career that's going to bring fulfillment, the relationship that's going to bring fulfillment. They're looking for the next thing that's going to make them feel better about themselves. And it's very clear if you look at the Bible for any length of time, there is nothing that feels that longing other than that encounter with Jesus. And as a church, we just when we say we want you to find your place, we believe that God is creating new things. He's not... He's not doing the same old thing over and over again. He's creating new out of dead things. Like we've got it, we, we've got it twisted that we, number one, some of us, 
I've been a, I have been a, a, an offender in this myself, believe that I deserve what I've received, and I don't. And we have to put ourselves in a posture that we remember that God's creating something new in me every single day. Now, you may not see it because sometimes I'm walking in that flesh, and sometimes you're walking in that flesh, and you don't get to see it. But God's trying to create new. He's created us to have new life. From the moment we encounter Jesus until the day we draw our last breath, we are created to have new life every single day, every single moment of every single day. Not only do we have new life, we have new affiliations. The relationships in our life don't mean the same thing anymore. The relationships that we have, we now have relationships with the body of Christ so that we can encourage the body, but we also have relationships with those outside the body to bring them into the body. That, that's the simplest way of what discipleship is. It's a process where we have relationships. Discipleship is influence, and influence is what we're called to do with those new affiliations. And it also, we said that it's, it brings that new purpose to the old pains that we've had because we've all had them. We've all had hang-ups. Some of you in the church, you've been hurt. You've, you've been in places where because you lived a particular lifestyle at one time, people won't let it go. And Jesus has let it go. He, he didn't just drop the charges. He erased the charges. He's made all things new, and everything has been created new. And, and it's for you to be able to do that last part. You were created. You were created to inspire others. Now, I know for many of us, we don't, uh, we don't like saying words like that, influence, inspire, because we don't think that we have the ability to do that. We, some of you even might say, well, I'm an introvert, and I don't do this. It's, it's not a personality trait. It is, it is something that the Holy Spirit unlocks in you. And ironically, God put it on our heart several weeks ago that we were whatever, regardless of what the governor or the government did, it didn't matter. We were going to open this church up today. And then when we went back and we looked at opening the church up today, it was Pentecost. We, had, we didn't know that at first. We had no idea at first because we hadn't, I mean, we've been out of, church for eight weeks now so we celebrated easter in front of our tv and you just you kind of you you kind of miss some of those things when you're not gathering with the body and then when we looked up we said that's pentecost sunday and and so many people are so i don't want to say this the wrong way but you know me uh, they they just forget about that like we want to go back and we want to celebrate the resurrection again We want to forget about Pentecost. You can't do nothing without Pentecost. We're useless without that day. Like Jesus could have saved us at Resurrection Sunday, and then we absolutely miss everything else because we do not have the power, the authority, or the ability without that day happening. And it happened today. Today, the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, and that's where your inspiration flows from. If you've received the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to do things that are outside of your own normal ability. That's the whole, pur- whole purpose. If we could do it within our own ability and with our own means and our own way, it wouldn't have anything to do with the kingdom. Because we can, look, we can, we can fill churches up with people and we can have events and we can do all that stuff. And there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but without the power and presence of the Spirit in the room, it's worthless. And you can inspire that just by sitting here. Listen, it's great, but my kids are tired of hearing me sing in, in, the, in the living room on Sunday morning. And I'd much rather listen to, to Madison and Lawrence over here singing. 
they're over here ducking their head now because they don't like being pointed out either. But it's, it's, so, it's, it's an inspiring factor to be in this room and to hear the voices of everybody in the room. You're doing that. You're using the gift of the Spirit to inspire. And so as we've looked through this season, there's some things that I just, uh, I, as I evaluated some things in my own life personally over the last couple of weeks, uh, knowing that we were going to be getting back together today, I just, I just thought it would be appropriate that maybe there's some things that you didn't take advantage of during this season. Because I think that any time we look at something and it's not normal, you know, these last eight, nine weeks are not normal. You know, we, we can all agree on that. But one thing that we have to realize is, is that God didn't, it wasn't a mistake that it happened. Like God didn't miss something and it go, oh, well, I didn't know that virus was going to happen. Or I didn't know they were going to shut everything down. God knew all of it. And what God, in my personal opinion, has been trying to do is to get his church to wake up just enough that they can actually be effective in doing what we're called to do. Because if we're not careful, Jesus is going to slip back in and we might miss it. And so over these last several weeks, there's been a lot of opportunity to sit outside at my own home and, and just pray and seek the Lord through the Word and, and just hear from Him directly. And some of the things that have come out of those times have been better than anything I could ever put before you. And some things, I mean, if you're being really honest, we just sometimes we got to wrestle a little bit. And we've got to fight and we've got to claw for that relationship. And so as, as the Lord and I have just walked through some things, he put some things on my heart that I believe I needed to share with you tonight because it's some things that I needed to do myself. And so if you didn't take advantage of this season, it's not too late. And so it's just three things I, I want to show you. And I want to show you from God's Word where it says, first thing is this, reevaluate your life. Like that was the number one thing that came up. Michael, you're not a... You're not a pastor or a church planner. You're a dearly loved child of God. You're my son. You, anybody else can define you as whatever they want to define you as, but that's not how I define you, and you're not going to be defined that way. You be defined the way that I have defined you. And so as you sit and you start thinking about some of the things that you allow to define who you are, God, is, God gave us a, an intentional pause he said, I'm going to cut things off so that you can't be defined by those anymore. You can't go to work because the government shut it down for some of you. You can't go and, and do what you want to do and, and go and sit in restaurants and, and be the funny person at the table with all your friends and, and do the things that you normally do because God said, I want to have some time with just you. And if we miss that opportunity, just think about it like this. Just because we had a mass chance doesn't mean that you can't take an individual chance to realize that God wants you to reevaluate some things that are going on in your life. And, and, and I've been in the Proverbs for several weeks now, and it just the Lord just spoke so clearly through Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. He said, my son, pay attention to what I say. I mean, he, it's like he's talking directly to me. Listen to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them with you in your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. One thing that I have constantly said is that we're not saved for something future. We're saved for now. So what that means is, is that God wants to heal the whole man so the whole man can go do the whole work. And when we start to reevaluate some of our life and some of the things that we've put ourselves in, we need to ask the question, am I doing this for the Lord's purpose or am I just doing this because this is what we're supposed to do? And even in the church, we have to reevaluate because there's been a lot of 
I, there's really no argument. I don't want to say it that way, but there's been a lot of back and forth. Well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? We're not going to do anything. We're going to get back to the basics. We're going to worship Jesus. It don't matter how many people show up. It don't matter how many small groups we have. It don't matter what we do with our kids. We're just going to open up the doors and let people come in. We're going to worship Jesus. And we're going to reevaluate where we are in life. And if people come, great. If they don't, you know what? I was here last night on my knees right there. And I said, if it's just me and you tomorrow, Lord, I'm fine with that. And we've got to be fine with that in every moment of our own lives because his words got to reign supreme so that we can reevaluate and see the opportunities that he's putting right in front of us. The second thing is this. After we reevaluate, we've got to refocus our energy. So I dare say that we've, we put a lot of energy into a lot of things, and if we would reevaluate and then start to refocus, we'd realize that a lot of the energy that we put in our thought life and the words that we say and the actions that we are living out day to day, we'd realize that they don't really mean anything. We spend a lot of time doing a lot of things, and when you look at them from the surface, it looks like just, quote, normal things that we're supposed to do. But we spend so much energy on it, and ask anybody who's lived their life and is at the end of that life, and they look at you and say, man, there's so many things that I could have done. Don't be that. Sit where you are right now and realize that the energy that the believers in the house are supposed to be using is an energy that's not yours anyway. It was a gift to you to be able to focus people's attention on Jesus. Everything that we do is supposed to do that. Every time you make somebody laugh, it needs to be because you bring joy to a conversation. Every time you enter the room, I said this in a message the other day because I, uh, because I had to evaluate some things in myself. Am I draining life out of people when I enter the room or am I bringing something to them when I come into the room? Like that's, that, that's, that's a hard thing because there's so many times that we, if we're, if we're honest, we come to church and we want to get something out of church and we forget that somebody may need something from us while we're in church. It's not just I'm coming to get something from the preacher or I like that singing, so we're going to sing that music. Well, what, what does somebody need to get from you? If we refocus the energy that we had, I, I go back, my favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. I'm just that kind of guy. But uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he says, all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. This is it. This is where our energy needs to be focused. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And it's not like blatant evil. It's, it's just the absence of the presence. That's evil. Like we try to make it look so much so pretty and like, well, it's okay. God will, you know, he'll be okay with that. Not if you keep doing it. <laughs> That's called unforgiven. That's a problem. And if we don't reevaluate and refocus, we can go right really slow slope down to the wrong area of life. And we have to be very careful about that. And the last thing is this that I, that I want to show you. Uh, prepare for something new. Like that was something that came out of this season for us from the very beginning. When God, when God said, okay, you're going to have to close the doors. Like there's nothing you can do. I'm making the church close. Because we would have, I mean, we would have been one of those churches. Like, I want to be honoring to what a government official say, because the scripture tells us to do that. But I'm also very rebellious in my nature sometimes. And so I would have said, we're going to keep going. But God said, no, there's a reason for this. There's a purpose for this. And it's because I'm preparing not just this church, but the church universal for something new. 
Because we talk about it, you've heard about it for years and years and years. We're living in the last days. We're living in the last days. Folks, you've never been closer than you are right now. You've never been closer than you are right now. There's never been more upheaval and, and just pure junk that's come on our land than there has been now. And for people to keep praying for revival, guess what? It's going to keep happening. Because you don't get revival in easy places. Revival comes out of very difficult situations. The greatest revivals that have ever happened have been because of the, the most difficult hardships in life. And just to be honest for a moment, that we don't, we don't appreciate things as much if they're not difficult. If everything's just easy and right there in front of us, you're not going to appreciate it. You think God doesn't know that? Like God created us that way for us to continue to seek and to long. And, and, and I know some of us are we're saddened that we've missed these last eight weeks, but don't look at it like that. Look at it that what God's been trying to do over these last eight or nine weeks has been to prepare us for what's next. What's next is something that's going to be beyond what you and I can even fathom what God wants to do. Look, during this season, God's been doing things even in the midst of this church that he hasn't been doing when we were gathering together. There's been things that God has been moving us towards that... Um, Honestly, I would have not imagined ever moving towards those things. But God is setting us, just us specifically, up to do some things that he has always had in his heart for us to do. And he's saying, now's the time. Now's the time. There's something new, and now's the time. I set you in this community for a reason, and it's not just for you to wake up in the morning, exist, and go back to sleep the next day. I've created you to be the agent that brings something new because that's what God's all about. Regardless of what we think, you know, I, I, I grew up in the Baptist tradition and we like to talk about the past and we like to stay there. We like to make sure that we get our seat and they were pews. We gave you an uncomfortable chair, so instead of an uncomfortable pew. So nobody argues over it. But but we go back to that same mentality, and some of you are rolling your eyes at me because you s still kind of have that mentality sometimes. It's okay. We still love each other. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So she's over going, this is our seat right here. You need to stop. But just know, like, God is preparing his church to receive something new, a fresh wind of the Spirit, because there's going to be a harvest of souls that you and I are going to be a part of bringing into the kingdom. Not, listen to me, not to fill seats in a church to populate heaven with souls that were going to hell. Big difference. It doesn't matter what church they sit in as long as they get connected to a body somewhere. I'm kind of partial to you guys. I, I mean, I love you a little bit. And I would love to see more people here. But it doesn't matter where. It's about people being connected because God's trying to do something in this community and communities all over because you see God moving. I mean, I, I, it's been a blessing to be able to watch so many different church services over these last several weeks to see what God's doing in this congregation, you know, in, in my hometown and to see what God's doing in congregations here locally and see what God's doing in the midst of churches in Louisiana that we're connected with and just all over the place. And, and, and the clear consensus, whether they're Baptist, Pentecostal, 
Church of God in Christ, we love Jesus, whatever the denominational name may be, there's one common thread that you hear through all of them. Jesus, 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 and that's it. And so I, I just want to close today, and, and I think it's appropriate um, just for the purpose of what, uh, of what this day means. I know when we talk about Pentecost and anytime we're in a church and you're from a more conservative um, background when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that kind of stuff can be frightening. And I've said it before. Don't be afraid of something that God says is good. It's, it's just that simple. Don't, don't concern yourself with what somebody else has shown you about the Holy Spirit. Look at what God's Word says about the Holy Spirit. And you ask God to give you the Spirit the way God gives the Spirit. And so I just want to go back and I want to read. read. It'll be on the screen. I, I want to read what took place on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached. Right after the Holy Spirit had come upon them. He said in Acts chapter 2, it said, Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Now, I love this because, you know, you hear people talk about preachers that talk a little bit louder and get a little bit excited. That's what he means. Like, it wasn't just like, ho-hum, hey, listen to me. It was like he started getting excited about what he was about to say. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. They're not that kind of folk. He said, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God, was, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. 
When the people heard this, it says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That, is, that right there is the epitome of what we want to see take place every single time we gather. We want to be so stirred in our spirit that God works miracles in our life. He's still working miracles. The same power and presence that fell upon the apostles that day fell upon some 3,000 people because Peter spoke the truth of the gospel, what we just read. And on the day that we are sitting here, two chapters later in Acts, they continue the conversation. And it gets to, to this. This won't be on your screen. But in Acts chapter 4, it said, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Because that 3,000 heard what Peter said and said, I need to repent and I need to be baptized. And for many of us, the reevaluation of our life, we need to start this thing over. Because this relationship thing that we think we've had with Jesus, all it is is my get-out-of-hell-free card, and that's not what this is about. This is about a relationship that's supposed to change you at your core and change you tomorrow and change you the next day and continue to work change in your life so that people know that there's something different about you. They want to know what it is about you. They want to know the hope that you claim. Listen, even through some of the junk that you're dealing with, like I know life sucks sometimes, but when it does, it gives more room in our weakness for the power of the Spirit to work His strength if we will allow that to take place. And so here's the prayer that they, that they prayed in Acts chapter 4, verses 24. They said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? Does that not sound familiar? The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Does that not sound familiar? It's constantly a plot over and over again. It says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand. And it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Hear their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Like, here it is. God, I don't care what they've threatened. Lord, I don't care about anything else but the gospel of Jesus Christ being manifest in my life on a daily basis. They said, I'm not worried about anything else. I hear their threats. He says, consider them, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. No more fear, no more anxiety. We've reevaluated, we're refocusing our energy, and we're realizing that God's trying to do new things in our community. He says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Have you prayed a prayer like that? 
I, I just I asked that, especially that last part. Like we've become a people that just we, we're afraid of that last part. I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I I can't heal nobody. No, you can't. But the power of the Holy Spirit working through you can. It still works. We've watched people be healed in this building before. Not us. The power of the Holy Spirit did it. It's not some spooky, crazy, weird thing that happens. It's just God working through his people. So I just, I just simply ask, on the day of Pentecost today, have you, have you whispered a prayer to the Lord to say, Lord, I want that kind of power. I'm not going to be afraid of what I've heard before. I'm not going to be afraid of what I've seen before. I'm not going to go and, and look at what somebody did when they're running up and down the aisles and jumping pews and all that stuff. You know, that's not really me. And listen, that's not always the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can come in as a calm, cool breeze that just lifts you up enough to speak with boldness to the person across from you that needs to hear the gospel. But have you asked him for it? Have you asked him for it? And so as we close this evening, I'm just going to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to pray the same prayer that they prayed over you. If you want to you open yourself up, you just can simply say, Lord, I agree. Lord, I agree. He'll know what it means. I just want to pray it over you, just more modern context. So let's pray together. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the seas and, Lord, you made everything in them. Lord, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the words of your servants in your written word. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The rulers and authorities of this world band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Lord, from days of old, Herod and Pilate with the Gentiles and people of Israel conspired against Jesus, your anointed one. They did only what your power and your will decided beforehand. But now, Lord... We, we hear the threats. We hear our own fears. We hear our own anxieties. And Lord, we just simply ask that you enable us, your servants, to speak your word with boldness. To stretch out your hand through my outstretched hand. To heal and perform signs and wonders through the holy name of the only one with the power, the authority, and the ability. Jesus. And Lord, we ask it in that name, the name that is above every single name, the name of Jesus, the one that we worship tonight. Amen.